Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt. You can visit them either online at JohnnyTShirt.com or at their Chapel Hill location. I'm your host for this one, John Siegley, joined by Buck Sanders and Don Callahan. Going to be talking some UNC football recruiting. To start it off, though, Buck, how's life treating you, man? Couldn't be better. If uh, it was doing any better, they'd have to make twins out of me. Well, <laughs> the outcome of this uh, weekend's basketball notwithstanding, I'm doing fine. Let me put it that way. Yeah, but, you know, we're going to focus on football. We got the spring game coming up, so the basketball, I think Tommy will uh, wrap up his his show, kind of just getting everyone on there to give their thoughts on the season. But like I said, recruiting today. So, Don, we've got you, the IC expert. How's life been treating you lately? It's been good. Um, I was on the road early last week, as everyone knows from my my content from the the Nike uh, opening regional in in Atlanta, and we'll get into that later on. But uh, actually, on my way back, John, do you know where I stopped by? Um, I'm guessing a maybe a small town called Murphy, North Carolina. <laughs> How'd you know? Well, I mean, just because there, if you were in Georgia, there's a direct highway that you can use to get back into North Carolina. It goes through Murphy. So yes, and for those who don't know this, and I'm assuming probably most people don't, um, the reason why I bring this up to John is that's John's hometown, and yes. uh, and uh, Murphy High School has an offensive lineman in the 2021 class, Yusuf, and I'm still trying to uh learn how to say his name i've been practicing it and i'm not ready to to actually practice it on the air because i don't want it used against me later on um but uh i've been doing this for 15 years i've been to just basically every area of the state for the most part i've been to countless high schools in the state not all of them but but a good amount of them but i have never been to murphy until this past week so I knew it was really far. I didn't know how far it was until I like I, I put it into Google and saw that it was like almost six hours away from my house. Mm-hmm. So I knew I was going to have to kind of figure out a constructive way to uh, include this trip. I knew I had to go down there because uh, there was there's like no actual interviews with this kid. And uh, I wanted to make sure the Inside Carolina subscribers were the first ones to get a, a story with this kid. And then they'll get that this week. But as John mentioned, it worked out great for it only added, I think, like an hour onto my trip home. But um, it worked out great just on my way out of Atlanta just to go to Murphy and then for Murphy make the six hour trip back home. So it was fun, but it was well, cool to kind of be there for a little bit. Murphy does have a casino now. So does it? Yeah. I didn't spend a whole lot of time. I mean, I spent the time in the high school, but other than that, I mean, it was just kind of like I wanted to get back on the road and I wish I would have had time to kind of, you know, have a meal or something like that and kind of uh, absorb the town. But, um, and I was looking for like, maybe like, you know, when I got into Murphy, it's saying Murphy, the home of John Siegley, but it didn't, I didn't see that. Maybe I missed it. Oh man, really? I paid good money to have that right at the entrance to town too. But, uh, Let's go ahead, guys, and switch gears to talk about the top five list. And this was something that Buck started a thread on, and I feel that most of our responses were posted on the thread, and we got tons of people on there. I mean, Buck, it was dozens of people that were giving their 
preferred top five non-conference opponents from what I recall, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there were a bunches and bunches of responses, some of which re- really surprised me. And there was sort of a trend there as well. Uh, just to kind of move through this sort of quickly, I won't give my uh, entire top five list. And then you guys can uh, agree or disagree. And from there, I'm going to mention uh, a lot of uh, schools that were mentioned that I didn't put in the mix at all. Uh, so anyway, I went with Ole Miss, Southern Cal, Michigan, Ohio State, and LSU uh, in that order, um, five through one. And uh, there's a lot of uh, reasons why uh, a couple of them have legendary uh, stadiums and Ole Miss has a legendary tailgate situation and I know that, you know, for people that may have gone to uh, the Atlanta game when North Carolina played LSU in 2010, I know their fans are a little on the uh, SEC exuberant side. And I walked into a uh, bar there and, and had on some UNC gear, and the people with me did too. And when I walked in, they said, Tiger bait, Tiger bait, Tiger bait just from us walking in the door. So they, they can be a little bit much, but I have always heard that, uh, uh, LSU on a Saturday night is something that you should experience. So I put them at the, at the top of my list, but, uh, that's my five and you guys can chime in, agree or disagree. And then I'll tell you, uh, what I found surprising in the responses that we got. Yeah, let's get the responses um, at the end, Buck, because I'll go ahead and give my top five real quick. Um, But to first give comments on yours, we actually shared two teams, LSU and Michigan. Um, I had them at number two. And, you know, overall, I think that that's a very strong list, Buck. I thought about putting Ohio State on mine. I ended up not. My top five was number five, Tennessee four, Texas, three, Penn State, two, LSU, and then number one, Michigan. So LSU, Michigan right there. And I kind of envisioned this as home and home series. So that's why Michigan and LSU, I've always heard that those are two excellent places. Penn State, I kind of wanted to get them on there because of recruiting. I think UNC has had some success recruiting kind of their region. And so Carolina playing up there would give them more exposure. Um, Texas and Tennessee, Texas, just really for the Mac Brown factor, I think it'd be fun. And then Tennessee, they chickened out of a home and home series with Carolina. I really wanted that to happen. So UNC could hopefully go up there and uh, be an SEC team. So that was my top five. Um, Don, do you have any thoughts on my top five and Buck's top five? Well, I think just generally speaking, and I can kind of see it within your guys' list, is it was it was kind of difficult. I mean, I, th- I felt like I could go at least 10, maybe even 15, and my my personal criteria kind of changed while I was doing it. At first, I was, I was kind of focusing on traditional powers and, and thinking that would be cool to kind of see those guys in, um, in Keenan Stadium. And then I kind of changed it and was like, well, you know, I had the thinking that John had with the, the home at home series. So what would be... Um, the kind of coolest place to to go to. So my my top five, going from five to one, Penn State, for those who know where I'm originally from, that would make a whole lot of sense. Plus, you know, 
you know, Beaver Stadium's a big stadium. Penn State has a lot of tradition. Texas A&M um, has a uh, great uh, reputation for their stadium and their with their yell cheers and all that. Um, Texas is kind of a mixture of the traditional power, but also as far as, I mean, obviously if you're going to go to a game in Texas to see North Carolina, you're probably going to arrive a few days ahead of time. And I always hear about how Austin has the greatest uh, area for food and different types of food. So I think that would be really cool for those who are foodies. Um, I don't, I don't consider myself a foodie, but I love to eat and I love to try new things. I just um, don't nearly as much to, I guess, class myself as classify myself as a foodie. And then I also had, I think both of you guys also had LSU number two and then Ole Miss number one. Ole Miss, same, same reason Buck said, is that supposedly it has, you know, with the Grove, it's one of the more um, original and, and cooler game day tailgate sort of situations. LSU, I, I've been told, I, I have a friend whose wife graduate, graduated from LSU, and and I've been told just how um, unbelievable a night game in LSU is. So, um, so yes, that's why I went for, for, for those teams. And plus, it's a, it's a you know, traditional power, always has good teams, always has good players, always has players to go play in the NFL. Should I give our new um, top five for next week? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so one of our, I guess... Um, the one that people really enjoy, although we get a lot less responses. Um, and I think that's just because there's a little bit more work involved in it than, um, than the other top fives is the, uh, the ranking of the recruits. And for whatever reason, I think it's just because there's a good group of wide receivers in state and North Carolina has already made some really good progress with guys like Josh Downs and, and Ray Greer committing to North Carolina, but yet still has a bunch of guys, uh, on the board that UNC has a really good chance with who are really good players. I think it would be great to do a top five ranking of uh, the, of, well, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to limit it to six, uh, six recruits, the six recruits who have actually visited North Carolina, which are six wide receiver recruits who have actually visited North Carolina. There's probably about a dozen guys that have uh, North Carolina scholarship offers. But as I said, half of those guys um, have not even visited and even though they have plans to, we just kind of just ignore them for the time being. But the list is uh, Josh Downs, who's been committed. Um, Ray Greer, who's, who's been committed. Jari Patterson, who's visited earlier in the spring. Uh, Moose Muhammad, who's visited a couple of times. Mike Wyman, who UNC's making a lot of progress with. And Keandre Lambert, uh, who's actually in Virginia. And I think he's the only out-of-state guy on this list. Uh, but he's visited North Carolina. He's a four-star guy. Why don't we rank those guys? based off of your preference and you can, I'll let you kind of define your preference with that. But, um, you know, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, we're looking at what, you know, the things that we got out of the, the Atlanta camp from what Josh Downs, but also film, watch the film and, and let's see which, which, who, who do you prefer? What do you think, John? Yeah, I think that that sounds like a really good top five list. Um, everyone can watch film on that. It's available on either two, four, seven huddle, you know, just Google guys' names, really. That's the easiest way to do it. Before we, we kind of take our commercial break here, um, going back real quick to the non-conference stuff, you know, I thought it, it was surprising that LSU was so high, but I really think that there is some residual desire to play them from the UNC fan base that is in addition to their reputation for being just such a really good 
uh, stadium to watch a game in from the Chick-fil-A game that Carolina had the chance to win against all odds. So I think that was the interesting thing to me. But, you know, Buck, when you were going through and reading all of the lists from the Inside Carolina subscribers there on the Tar Pit message board, yeah, what did you kind of notice that surprised you as far as the trending there? What really surprised me, uh, although I totally get it, is uh, the large, very large numbers of people that wanted to play uh, a team in the Northwest, a Pac-12 team in the Northwest. Uh, A lot of people mentioned uh, University of Washington. Um, A lot of people mentioned uh, University of Oregon. A lot of people mentioned, uh, although they're not exactly Pacific Northwest or more Rocky Mountain is Colorado. Um, and, and that region of the country was very well represented by, uh, I see subscribers wanting to, uh, add them to the schedule. One of the things I'd say about that is I, I've been to Seattle a couple of times and a great city, uh, would love to go back there again. Uh, so I can totally get that. I've never been to, to Oregon, so uh, I, I wouldn't mind getting out there. I also understand they have some uh, really nice golf courses out there too. Uh, but it really did surprise me uh, when uh, there were so many people. I think a lot of people approach that list based on areas of the country they'd like to visit as a, you know, on the away game side of uh, a home and home series that that's kind of how I approached it really. And, and before I hand it back over to you, I'd, I'd tell both of you, the reason Texas wasn't on my list is I I've actually have been to Texas, uh, when Mac Brown was the head coach out there, North Carolina played them, uh, in Texas in 2001. So I was there for that game, but, uh, that's why they weren't included on my list. Hey, let me ask you about the food stuff because, as you as I said, um, big food fan. What uh, what did you think of of the food options and any restaurants stand out to you that you can remember? No, actually, you know that was uh, eighteen years ago, so I, I'm not sure I can remember. I do know at that time, Jim Hawkins, uh, Inside Carolina's photographer, was uh, on the trip with me, and if you know anything about Jim, he found someplace really, really good to eat. Uh, in Austin. The other thing I'd say about Austin is that not only are they known for their uh, food, but they have a very uh, widely regarded music scene also in Austin, uh, which might make it attractive to some people. All right, guys. Well, I think that overall, it was an, an interesting exercise to kind of get everyone's both ours and the subscribers thoughts on non-conference games and we'll see moving forward you know maybe carolina i know that they have some sec games coming up on on the schedule and we'll just see if maybe they do try to get a home and home with some of the teams that we have mentioned let's go ahead though and take our first commercial break when we get back Don, want to get your recap of what you observed at the Nike opening regional event that was down there in Atlanta. So everyone listening in, stay tuned. We'll get that right after this. 
let's take a moment to talk about our friends at Johnny T-Shirt. They are a very long-term supporter of Inside Carolina and the Inside Carolina podcast, and they are your place to go to for Carolina gear. Johnny T-Shirt has been a Franklin Street tradition for over 35 years, and they are one of the absolute iconic locations there on campus. They are locally and alumni-owned with a great staff that puts great value on customer service. It is really top-notch. When you go into Johnny T-Shirt, they make you feel like you are a part of the family. They are your place to go to for Carolina gear because it is their focus. They have a terrific selection of anything that you might want from memorabilia to jerseys to clothing and everything in between. And if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get your exclusive 10% off discount on all of your purchases. You can use that either in their Chapel Hill store or at johnnytshirt.com. That's johnnytshirt.com. So even if you live out of state and you still need that Johnny T-shirt fix, you can go there to order anything that you need Carolina-related. So support Johnny T-shirt and support the Inside Carolina podcast. Visit their website, johnnytshirt.com, and visit their store when you're in town on game days. And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Buck Sanders and Don Callahan talking UNC football recruiting. Don, I'm just going to hand it right off to you, man. You were in Atlanta for the Nike opening regional event. So let's have you first describe just kind of what this event was and then walk us through what you observed there. Well, the for those who don't follow it as closely, the Nike opening regionals lead into the... Um, the opening, which is, uh, I think it's in July. Um, and essentially is this, you know, the opening is this, uh, you know, I think it's about a week long event that's, they call it football heaven. And, and when the recruits arrive, they, you know, they're, they're, they spend a lot of time at Nike headquarters and get to see new gear. And, uh, and obviously they're doing a lot of football related drills. The elite 11 is now part of this. I think it's, it, they actually, the quarterbacks for elite 11 arrive earlier. They do a seven on seven tournament. Um, but this event, um, where actually similar events, cause they have a bunch of them throughout the country, uh, is basically, you know, they start off with a combine and then there's position drills and there's a lot of competition with one-on-ones and, um, you know, last year they did a lot of seven on seven stuff. They've kind of moved away from that, uh, but they also do stuff like, um, there's one-on-ones passing drills, you know, with a quarterback and a wide receiver going against the DB, but there's also like they call it the cat and mouse drill with the the running back and the linebacker, and it's just strictly there's no tackling. It's just two hand touch. Um, don't want anyone to get hurt. Um, but for this event, you know, it really started off very very uh, promising for North Carolina purposes, and it was funny because it was during warmups. Josh Downs kind of took himself out of some of the drills and. I was I was thinking, oh man, you know, I'm hoping to get a lot of footage on this kid, and we actually posted a bunch of footage on uh, on Josh early in the week. So if you haven't had a chance to look at that, definitely go back and look at it. You can kind of see him running through the drills, and and I throw everything on there, you know, um, all of the one on ones, and I caught all of his one on ones, um, even some of the 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 uh, reps where he dropped the ball, just so you can kind of get a grasp of what type of player he is, and and maybe the things he needs to work on, in addition to his um his strengths but anyway during the the warm-up portion he pulled himself out of there and, and, and in my mind I'm like oh man he's injured or he maybe you know in a lot of these things it's just a minor injury they don't want to make it worse for a you know essentially a, a meaningless camp so I went up to him and said hey uh, is everything all right and he said yeah he's like but I, I was um I'm just taking myself out to keep my legs 
rest it because I'm going to compete in the fastest man competition. And we actually have footage of the, the fastest man competition. And, um, you know, so what it is, is the fastest wide receiver fastest, according to his 40 yard dash time, which, um, Josh ran a four, four, seven goes up against the fastest defensive back. And Josh actually won. It was very, very, very close. They actually had to go and look at a couple of the uh, reporters uh, film to, to kind of see, but Josh won. Um, and if you watch the footage that, that you can find on Inside Carolina, uh, Josh actually didn't go, get off to the greatest start, but he recovered and and uh, and finished strong and won the race. But he he went on to have an unbelievable day after that, and even before that. I mean, his you know he had a four four seven forty, but he also had a forty two inch vertical, which is unbelievable. And I guess my greatest takeaway from looking at him on that Sunday was. The way he's built, I mean, he has these massive thighs, and they look they look like a power running back's thighs, you know. So he's a guy who he's not the biggest guy, but he's a guy who I think um, obviously he has the speed, you know, that goes without saying. But uh, with those powerful thighs, I mean, I think he can he can carry a couple of defenders with him, you know, when he catches the ball. Which you know, there's going to be a lot of different things that North Carolina is going to be able to do with him. You know, there's there was a bunch of other guys that that North Carolina is looking at that were there at the camp. Um, you know, we, we caught up with Eric Gilbert, who's a top 10 player overall in the nation. UNC is looking at him as a tight end. Uh, he has established a very, very strong relationship with Tim Brewster. And if he ends up visiting North Carolina, um, it's all going to be because of that relationship. Because um, as he told me on that day, he has very, very limited knowledge about North Carolina, but he is strongly considering a visit. I think at this stage of his recruitment, it would be a huge victory just to get him on campus. Uh, the The schools that are competing for him, Georgia, Tennessee, uh, Clemson, um, I think Alabama is trying to get in there also. It, it's it, Those schools have such a, a strong grasp on his recruitment right now. It would be hard for anyone else to kind of get in there, but it's still a promising uh, development and kind of speaks to what sort of recruiter that uh, that Tim Brewster is. But we have a full update on Inside Carolina on that. Um, you know, uh, Keandre Lambert, who I mentioned earlier about the wide receivers, he was there. He had a good day. We ran a story on Kobe Pryor, a running back, but another guy who um, North Carolina is trying to sneak in there with, even though schools like Georgia and Clemson have a pretty strong grasp. And then, uh, then another running back, uh, Jaquavius uh, Marks, who – was supposed to visit for the Elite Junior Day, had some transportation issues, but is planning on coming back as soon as he could possibly uh, figure out the uh, logistics of it. But yeah, we have we had a full report that was posted the night of the Atlanta uh, Regional, um, and we ran a bunch of stories, in-depth stories, with those recruits that we spoke to. And I think we've, we're going to run a couple more this week. So definitely check all that stuff out. And we'll do the same for, we're going to be, on hand for the Charlotte opening regional and either the um, opening regional in Washington, D.C. or the Under Armour camp in Washington, D.C. also to check out with uh, UNC's uh, targets that are at those two camps. That's obviously going to be uh, later on in, in the spring, but uh, we'll have the same sort of coverage on, on those events. Was there anything that either one of you guys, John or Buck, from reading the report or, or reading the the stories that really kind of stuck out to you guys? Well, I have a, a question or two for you, Don, okay. if I might. Absolutely. Has, has uh, 
Josh Downs been re-ranked since the, the opening uh, in Atlanta? Yes, it appears that he has, because now if you go on his his uh, 24-7 sports profile, he now has his fourth star back. And I think I think this is something that we're going to be dealing with throughout his entire recruitment, because he's right on the bubble for that three-star, four-star um, ranking. And so... You know, he's he's I think we're going to we're going to get to see situations where he loses his star and then he gains it back. But obviously he did a lot to impress the those who are those who do the ranking. So they were all there. You know, Will Fong was there. Um, Charles Powers was there. Um, Rusty Manziel were there. So they all saw what he did. And 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 obviously when when you are running in the the fastest man, you're one of two recruits that the entire uh, crowd is focusing in on. So um, you have to take notice in that sort of situation. But yeah, so he, he was moved up and um, for Tar Heel fans got to hope that that can, that stays that way. But I think we're going to kind of deal with that juggling act for a little bit. It's one of the reasons why he's kind of on that bubble is because he projects as a, an inside receiver. He's, you know, you see a lot of taller receivers tend to dominate the wide receiver w- rankings you know, guys that are six three or so, and he's he's only about five ten. Uh, th- does that kind of push him down the wide receiver rankings just because he's more of a slot guy per se? Yeah, I think subconsciously it does because I think that when you and this is just generally speaking, when you're doing the ranking and you see a six five guy who could stretch the field, long arms, um, and can do a lot of things, and you see a, a you know what Josh measured in at five, nine, uh, even though he has impressive speed and everything, I think that you automatically just fall in love with the tall six, five receiver. And so I think it does hurt a little bit, even though, especially nowadays, the inside receiver has become a huge part of offenses. And it just seems to, to improve with each and every season and look at who was the, the MVP of, of, of the Super Bowl. You know, so um, so yeah, no, I I absolutely agree um, that that plays a factor. I don't think anyone consciously does it and says, okay, I'm going to downgrade a slot receiver. I just think we automatically just assume slot receivers. You know, it's so much better to get the tall guy because it's harder to find someone who's six five and can run like a deer. Um, but uh, it definitely hurts Josh a little bit, not purposely though. Does Downs compare to any recruits, Don, that you have seen in Carolina either go after or even get commitments from uh, from the past, you know, maybe two or three classes? You know, I've been trying to think about this because a lot of people there was a there was a huge argument on the on the thread about uh, Josh's uh, speed comparing him to Ryan Switzer. I think that's a I think that's a pretty good comparison, especially since uh, you know, as I mentioned, just his build, he just has, has a much stronger build than I, than I thought he, he did. Um, and, and Ryan definitely had that coming out of uh, high school. Um, I just, I feel like there is a better comparison. I just can't think of one right at the moment or haven't been able to think of one since I started trying to figure it out. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think um, Switzer is a good comparison because uh Josh is a guy who could definitely take the top off the defense, but at the same time, if you throw him, you know, uh, a short route or even give him the ball on some sort of jet sweep, I mean, he's 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 dangerous and he's going to 
um, be a threat to score no matter how you get the ball in his hands. I think also he can contribute in the return game just like Ryan did. And then, Don, when you were at the camp, were you getting a sense that maybe there's some positivity surrounding the UNC football program that has not been there in prior seasons? Because like you said, I mean, there are guys that are ranked very high just overall in their classes that are considering making trips. I don't know if Caroline would have gotten those visits in the past. So, I mean, yeah, like, was there anything that you noticed that maybe there are some some positive vibes being put out there right now about UNC? Outside of Eric Gilbert, my answer is going to be no. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, for those who've never kind of ventured outside of, I don't even know if there is such a thing as ACC country, but if you venture inside of SEC country, you kind of get the feeling that no other schools exist outside of the SEC ecosystem. And that's just their mentality, especially when you're in Georgia, everything is pro Georgia. You, you very, very, very rarely hear anything about Georgia tech, even though, you know, the, the majority of my time for those four days I was in uh, Georgia, I was actually in the Atlanta area and very seldomly did I hear about Georgia tech, which is an ACC school. That's just the way that SEC country is. Um, but, uh, that's why it makes it so, um, much more impressive that Eric, um, Gilbert, cause I think that without Brewster, I don't think he mentions North Carolina or even, even knows what North Carolina is, to be honest with you. The other thing too, is that there is a lot of positivity about North Carolina in the state of North Carolina. And that's by design because Mac Brown has put a focus on in-state recruiting and that, um, that has shown in just who's visiting, who has committed. I know that there's been, was it, uh, four commits, outside commits. Um, but um, a lot of the positivity is in-state. And I don't think that they, they have dabbled in Georgia and they've dabbled, obviously, in Virginia. But for the most part, the focus is in-state and creating that positive, positivity. And I think, really, if you think about it, if you live in Georgia, you're not hearing about what's going on in North Carolina. That's just, that's just how it is. And then, Don, when is the date for the Charlotte regional opening? Because I think in terms of, I guess, positivity, it sounds as if that one is going to be where UNC will try to make their presence felt kind of first and foremost, not only with who's at the camp, but just, you know, the buzz going about the Tar Heels. That's on April 28th, which is what the the last uh, Sunday in April. So we're still about a month away for that. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, we're going to have um, wall-to-wall coverage, as we always have had on that event. Um, and yeah, there there will be a ton of UNC recruits at the uh, at the Charlotte opening regional for for sure. All right, let's go ahead and talk about UNC's commitment that they got last week. Uh, UNC was able to secure a verbal from. Georgia offensive lineman. So I feel like we've been talking about Georgia a lot this podcast. Trey Zimmerman, six foot six guy out of Roswell High School. And, you know, Don, looking at his finalist list, I mean, Auburn was on there, Georgia Tech was on there. So let's go ahead and just start there. I mean, what type of player do you think Zimmerman is from watching his film? Yeah, just before I get into what type of player, kind of touch on the, the point that you made, his final four were North Carolina, Georgia Tech, Auburn, and Duke. And the 
the most interesting part of that was, and he even mentioned this when, when we, we ran a story on him because we actually went by his, his school on our way, um, well, before we left Georgia. And we ran a uh, story where he basically said his he was kind of going back and forth between North Carolina and, and Auburn. And then after he actually committed, and we ran a, a story, uh, uh, you know, a full story on on his thoughts after the commitment, why he did it, and wh- you know, um, why he chose now, why did, why it happened now, um, and what his his thought process was. But wh- one of the things he said was that essentially that he was he was locked in with Auburn, and that North Carolina kind of slowly loosened Auburn's grip, and then just completely just pulled them from underneath of them. Uh, from underneath uh, Auburn, um, the weekend prior, the weekend actually of the the Nike opening regional in Atlanta, because that was the weekend that uh, Zimmerman had returned to North Carolina for a more in depth visit and for a, a visit that also included him watching North Carolina practice, specifically how Stacey Sherrill's coaches his offensive lineman. But to get to your your question, John, um, you know, and he's a guy when you when you pop on the film. I mean, the first thing you notice is that he finishes his blocks he has a a nasty streak and his goal as soon as the whistle blows is to put his target into the dirt and he does that on a consistent consistent basis I mean he gets out of his hands quickly locks onto his uh his target and then just fights with him literally fights with him until he's in the dirt um in addition to that he has um very good agility for for a big guy and a good footwork, so he's able to to get to the second level to to uh, block linebackers um, and take them out of the play. Also, you know the thing with him is he plays left tackle in a run dominant offense, but um, he does and he does have enough lateral quickness to to play tackle. I think though that his best position is going to be at guard. Uh, but he has the ability to play tackle probably as a right tackle. I don't, I don't think that you want him at left tackle, but if you need him, I mean, he's so versatile that if you need him to play tackle in a pinch, he could definitely do that. He actually mentioned that North Carolina is recruiting, recruiting him as a swing lineman. And I think what that actually means is that um, his primary position will be guard, but if they get into a situation where they need to, move someone out there to tackle, that's what he'll do. So um, I'm just going to ask the, I guess, the the football expert on this podcast, Buck Sanders, when uh, when you saw this commitment, what, uh, what immediately kind of uh, jumped up in your mind? Well, when I saw this commitment, uh, Don, uh, what popped up in my mind was we were going to have to delay the podcast that we were on at the time what happened was uh, John and I and Don were recording a podcast early Thursday morning, uh, very early as I recall. And right when we were recording the podcast, we said, uh, wait a second. Uh, we got word that Zimmerman had committed. Uh, I don't think anybody actually expected him to commit until Friday. Um, and uh, so that's what popped up in my mind was that, uh, Oh, okay. We're going to have to reschedule this podcast. Well, and we know that Buck, that just really ruined your day. I mean, you were not able to talk to Don at all when you were all ready for it. I was primed and ready to go, but you know, anything for the, I'll take one for the team. We had to get the news out and Don had all the news. So we had to break away and let Don do his thing. 
Yeah, and we were rewarded with that speaking globally here because Don got the interview with Zimmerman done, and it was a great one. I mean, really reading through there, I was very shocked to hear um, about his switch from Auburn. I mean, they are a football powerhouse, and Carolina was able to get Zimmerman away from them. Buck, let me ask you kind of a more generalized football question here. This was the first commitment that the Heels have had in it was a few weeks and you know the message board was getting kind of antsy that Carolina started off so hot and then they relatively cooled off on the recruiting front but when you saw UNC land a offensive lineman from Georgia and you know Zimmerman's a three-star kid but he really looks like he has some good potential how important do you think it is to keep that momentum going and do you think that this will kind of maybe slake the uh, the thirst of our Inside Carolina subscribers to get those commitments rolling in? Uh, as far as uh, the Zimmerman commitment, it's it's always great. He's a very highly ranked three star. You know there are uh, striations uh, within the three star alignment. You know that uh, if you go on the twenty four seven Inside Carolina page. Um, and you look at how they're ranked, I believe I'm correct when I say he's the numerically the highest ranked three-star that North Carolina has. And, you know, it, it's always great to have those big uglies, um, you know, to come on board, somebody with a nasty attitude. Uh, the more of those guys you can get, the, the better off you are. So, you know, it, as far as slaking the, the thirst of the torpid, uh, torpid, premium message board for news of, uh, commitments. Yeah, that, that's not going to happen. Uh, you know, anytime, anytime soon, uh, Don, what about, uh, that, uh, what I said about the three-star thing, am I pretty much on board there or am I not? Yes, no, you're absolutely, as always, you are on point and, and, uh, definitely know what you're talking about for sure. Um, and just for those, you know, basically the way that recruiting has kind of evolved with the five-star stuff, it, it ultimately has come to a three-star ranking. You're either a five-star, a four-star, or a three-star for the most part. And really, if you think about it, that doesn't tell you a whole lot about really the three-stars because there's so many of them. But what 24-7 Sports has, um, has kind of done is that Really what's more important, and this is kind of the situation that, that Josh Downs faces, is what your, I, don't, I guess your, your rating is, which is the, the, the numbers that you see on, on, the, uh, on the profiles. And Zimmerman, for example, is a .8789, and that's on the high end. Basically, anyone in the .8 range is a three-star, and uh, 24-7 Sports has it broken down based off of what... Um, you know, what eight point, whatever it may be. Um, and he's on the higher end of that. So he's considered a guy who has the potential to be an NFL player. If he develops during his college career, that's the way they kind of sort of word it. Um, and I think Josh, uh, Joshua Downs is kind of like an eight and uh, 8.9. And it's just, if he goes down just slightly, he is a three. If he goes up, Slightly, he's he's a, a more solid four. But yeah, I mean, so if you really want to know where they are and, and three stars just don't tell you a whole lot, 
look at that that number that's associated with it, and it will kind of tell you because there is a huge difference, especially when you're talking about its effects on the uh, North Carolina's class ranking within the nation. There's a huge difference between a guy like Zimmerman, who's an uh, an 87, 89, as opposed to a guy who's a point eighty two oh one. And then, Buck, especially when it comes to offensive linemen, I mean, my opinion has always been that those guys' development is is paramount. That you can take a three star kid and by his senior or redshirt senior year, you know, they can be just a completely different player. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I think you see that reflected in the uh, 24-7 rankings, too. Uh, you're going to see way more quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs in the five-star category than you're going to find offensive linemen. Even though there are five offensive linemen and only one quarterback on an offense, you're, you're going to see uh, much greater numbers represented at the skill positions in the rankings. So, Quite naturally, that's going to push uh, offensive linemen down a bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, to, to answer your question, I'd, I'd say that's true. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the quarterback and the skill positions are, they're the glamour spots, and they're the ones that always pop out. And that's another we talked about earlier about how Joshua Downs is uh, downgraded subconsciously because he's a slot guy and not a six five receiver. I think the same thing happens when you're looking at all the positions and when you're looking at a quarterback or a receiver or a running back as opposed to an offensive lineman. Unless you're a truly elite Jonathan Ogden sort of offensive tackle, you are definitely subconsciously downgraded compared to a, a running back or a quarterback or receiver just because of your position and because your job is, is not glamorous in the least. And I'm guessing too, Don, that when you're talking about those five-star offensive line guys, it was, is it fair to say that those are generally the ones that are just so physically gifted that that's really what propels them to, to that high of a ranking? Yeah. And I think it's just usually they end up being these massive guys with long arms, six, five, six, 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 seven guys who are just, incredibly athletic for their size guys who can easily dunk a basketball can do splits and all that sort of stuff those are the guys who tend to be the exception to the rule that we're talking about and and those guys tend to be ranked but if you're a guy like Trey Zimmerman who just who just is nasty and wants to just bury his opponent while that's beautiful i think people and subconsciously the 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 evaluators they'd rather see an elegant running back you know, kind of zipping through uh, a defense and scoring a touchdown instead of a uh, a linebacker who is crushing skulls. Oh, I remember Don Callahan talking about a certain offensive lineman by the name of Russell Bodine and how in high school he also loved to just crush people and put them in the dirt. And uh, yeah, Bodine's in the NFL. So uh, Don, I think that's a pretty high high praise coming from you, man. Yeah, and I think Zimmerman has the same sort of... Um, mentality and I think there's some parallels between the two although Bodine was obviously a center and had that experience and I don't you know Zimmerman doesn't have any sort of experience snapping but yeah I mean personally I I love it I love that's one of the things I look for who finishes their blocks because I think it says more obviously it it talks it speaks to their abilities but it also speaks to their mentality and their um their work ethic to to want to kind of finish things off and finish the play and, and really you have the mentality of they want the defenders that they go up against to hate them by the end of the game. 
All right, guys, let's go ahead and take another very quick commercial break. When we get back, let's go ahead and wrap up the podcast. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Buck Sanders and Don Callahan. All right, guys, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, Don, Carolina had some visitors over the weekend. So what kind of content can the listeners be expecting to be posted on the Inside Carolina premium message board after kind of all the the weekend visitors wrap up everything? And uh, just what do you really have coming down the line, man? Well, there there wasn't a whole lot of major, major guys. There was a lot of... um... Uh, significant guys such as you know Antonio Barber, who's a wide receiver, who I think in any other situation UNC probably would would offer. He he was he actually just uh, decommitted uh, from a school, um, and this was his first visit to North Carolina. But um, as we mentioned earlier, with our top five ranking that we're going to be doing uh, for next week's uh, podcast. There's just so many wide receivers that that are elite wide receivers that UNC is a really good spot with. So it makes it hard for anyone else to kind of get into that party until things start to go in the wrong direction with with these other guys. But, you know, we're, um, you know, Garrett Nussmeyer, who is a 2021 quarterback from Texas that North Carolina has has already offered. He visited the weekend. Uh, we we hope to get up with him to run a story. He didn't visit on Saturday, but AJ Parks, who's an offensive lineman from the Washington D.C. area, he visited. I believe it was in the middle of the week. We hope to get up with him also about his visit. And really, the other part of of who came on Saturday were um, three of North Carolina's commits: uh, uh, Lamarion James, uh, Ethan White, and Ray Greer. We won't necessarily get up with those guys officially in a report form, but I've been in contact with those guys, and and you know as expected, they they enjoy their time. They're feeling more at home in North Carolina, and the more that you can get those guys on campus, and while it doesn't seem it's not as sexy as getting a a Desmond Evans on campus, but if you're able to get your commits on campus as much as possible, that's huge because that just solidifies your class. And then Buck. The UNC spring game is only a couple short weeks away now. Is there anything that you can share at this point as to what Inside Carolina may have planned for that event? Oh, I, I don't know that I want to uh, get too out and far in front of that. We, we've got a little something special planned, and uh, we'll be uh, talking about it in, you know, in the next week or two. But I want to make sure I've got all of my ducks in a row before I get too far out in front of that. How about this? And on, on a scale from one to 10, how excited are you right now, two weeks out for the upcoming spring game? I'm really, really looking forward to it, John. Um, it'll be great just to see the guys, uh, you know, in uniform playing ball in Kenan Stadium. The downside is uh, how much you'll actually learn from the spring game um, is probably not what most people think they're going to learn. Uh, but it is a really nice event, and uh, you know, I really hope a lot of people come out uh, for the return of the MAC, so to speak, and, and uh, give that new regime, usher them in with a, a nice large crowd there at Cannon Stadium. Yeah, that's what's going to be key to me. So hopefully the Tar Heel faithful do turn out for that one. Uh, guys, for this podcast, though, I think we can go ahead and wrap it up, unless if there's anything else that I missed or you guys wanted to talk about. All right. Enjoyed it as always, John. And Don, you know, it always makes my day when uh, I can talk to you. That Zimmerman thing threw me for a loop for a couple of days. Well, hopefully you've recovered and I, uh, I will be receiving my, my dinner invite soon. 
depending upon the scoop that you send me between, uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks. All right. I'm going to work hard. All right. Do that. There we go. All right, you guys have a good rest of the weekend and we'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.